Hello humans, it's Rob here and I live where the air hurts my face. It's not comfortable <laughs> on a daily basis. At least at this time of the year, not so much a few months ago. This is Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 123. That's 123 episodes of fun. This is the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes and with me as always is Brandon. Hello. And Josh. Hello, Clarys. And everybody else out there. Special shout out to Clarice. Thank you, Clarice. <laughs> you stuck through it. You win a bottle of wine. You win a bottle of wine. It's <laughs> discount wine from the gas station. And it's peach uh, flavored. But you still want it and it's free. <laughs> I, I need to know, is that a real thing? <laughs> oh my god, yes, 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 oh yes, god. it is definitely a real thing. <laughs> Down in Georgia, you can't gas station wine. Holy yeah, fuck. you you can you can buy uh liquor at, at liquor stores, but um gas stations wanna sell alcohol other than beer. So they yeah. started selling this um liquor flavored wine. And it is like <laughs> peppermint schnapps flavored wine. It's 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 peach schnapps flavored wine. It's whiskey uh, fireball flavored wine. And it's Why? I've God. never tried it. And it's I think mostly because I'm scared to. I don't blame you. For all you know, that's actually ethanol. <laughs> that's yeah. Who knows? Man? Who knows? What the hell? I can't even imagine the idea of fireball flavored wine. That's ugh. nope. Yeah, I'm I'm not even that, that big on regular fireball. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get into uh, the rest of the show, if you ever do want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com, and you can get us on Twitter at notarobotcomics, and now Instagram as well at NAR Comic Books. And if you feel like supporting us, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR Podcasts. And we also have our very own Discord server. And with some support on buymeacoffee.com, you can find your way into that Discord server to talk with us about all things geek all the time. There's always... I had some, I had an example I was going to bring up and I forgot it was something silly that we were talking about the other day. <laughs> it might have been the sandwich again <laughs> oh no yeah did holly try that sandwich that. yet no but she is uh um i had mentioned it to the children so now she has to make a spectacle of it this weekend <laughs> to see it happen. oh i look forward to the results are the, are the kids gonna have some um it's no, a hefty sandwich i must admit they they're in, they're more into watching it oh really <laughs> so i i assure it's you it's gonna be an event it, it sounds gross peanut butter fried egg with a bit of honey it sounds gross but it is so delicious i wouldn't have said <laughs> her that, taste man. buds will thank me poor quiet ass <laughs> brandon over there is not feeling very well and you're sitting there talking gross ass food combinations that's not cool man rather insensitive prop rather insensitive <laughs> Brandon, do you think it sounds gross? I don't think I've heard your thoughts about this yet. 
Brandon, are you still with us, or has the NyQuil taken you away? Uh oh. Think the NyQuil Hello? Is taking him away? No, it's oh, it's because it, uh, there might be an echo again. I don't know, but um, it's because I had to change my headphones. Oh okay. <laughs> no, there's you hear no me? Echo. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I I don't have any context for this, so I'm just gonna take your word and say it's. It, it is disgusting, or it's not disgusting. I'm not really sure. Fair enough. <laughs> Hopefully one day you get to try it, too. Um, right, so as for today's books, we are looking at Blue Beetle Graduation Day number one. It's finally here. Nubia and the Justice League. Uh, whoa, I had a typo there. Nubia and the Justice League number one. Superman Kal-El Returns. I guess number one or special uh, Justice Society of America number one Batgirl's annual 2022.6 times 7 to the power of N Nightwing annual number 2022 number no number one. Oh god that's confusing Detective Comics annual 2022 <laughs> no number cause god that was annoying as well as a couple of honorable mentions but before we get into that let's get into some news I know, Brandon, we've heard you're not feeling the greatest. You got a bit of a... Was it, you got the flu? Uh, probably cold, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's not, not uh, doing too well over here. I am sorry to hear that. It, uh, yeah, I was feeling Me that too, way last man. week. It's not mm-hmm. a pleasant feeling. Yeah, no, it's never fun. Yeah, how about you, Josh? Um, well, I have, uh, I've been, uh, a little laid up lately, so I've been catching up on some TV, on some TV shows, uh, the new Wednesday TV show, I fucking love it, um, yeah. I think it's pretty cool, I think, uh, Jen, Jenny, I think it's Jenny, yeah, not Jenna. Yeah, Jen, uh, Jenny, Jenny Ortega, Ortega. Yeah. um, she, she does Wednesday absolutely perfectly, it's, uh, I saw in over in Discord it got compared to I think it might have been you got compared to Riverdale and I'm I can drugs, see that yeah. a little bit but yeah it's, at, at least it's, from I the, think they do it pretty the good. trailer the trailer to me looked like it was Riverdale on drugs a bit yeah I could see that um, got another episodes of uh, episode of Titans coming out I haven't seen the latest one but I will be watching that tonight and then Rob I have watched, I've been watching two silly ass sitcoms that are real cheesy but at the same time like I can't stop watching them and I think you might have heard of them uh, Blockbuster and Strays watching it's it's an interesting show <laughs> it's not which one was it's, that? it's not blockbuster yeah it's not great but it's not horrible it's it's hard to to really describe yeah it's it it's kind of like how it was when i found uh corner gas it, it's like any fucking canadian tv show that i end <laughs> up finding for whatever reason a stumble upon and it's just i can't it's like i have to watch it it's weird there's funny moments and it's weird but um i'm i'm there every every episode strays is another one that's canadian that uh takes place in a vet hospital 
And they oh, all okay. I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, wait, it's not that one either. Is that strays. the spinoff of Kim's Convenience? I don't think so. Let me just double check that. <laughs> I think I don't it think is. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it's a spinoff of Kim's Convenience, following the least interesting character, in my opinion, from the original show. She got a spinoff, despite the rest of the characters being friggin' amazing. But that's which fun. character was it? Uh, I don't know. The, the, the boss, I don't remember her name. The boss, the one that was Dayton. I don't remember anybody's names now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, the own, the manager of the car rental place. Ah, okay. That was, that was, uh, dating the son. All right. Okay. Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. All righty. Well, um, I guess that's enough about TV shows. You guys want to get some comic books? Well, before we get into that, I do want to point out I saw some, uh, actually a bit of sad news today. Um, a few days ago, a GoFundMe was started for another comic creator. This time, the legendary Peter David is facing a health crisis. And while I didn't get a chance to read through the entire um, blurb about what's going on in his life, I did read something about kidney failure, which does not sound good in the slightest. Uh, so there's a GoFundMe to help him there and help pay some hospital bills and some um, life care stuff. Uh, it's just not nice. That's not that's not easy. I'm not going to get into political oh, no, stuff, but not. I wish y'all had a better health system. <laughs> going to be honest. You ain't alone, dude. As somebody who could really use it, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like the ones with free healthcare ain't perfect, but it sounds a hell of a lot better than what y'all got. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's about all I got. A bit of sad news to start the day off. Uh, in two days, I'll be uh, going to a comic signing. My first one. I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'll finish off with something Oh, yeah, happy. who is it? I feel uh, like you told me this before, but... <clears throat> No, sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, Jeff Lemire. It's Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Thanks to Brandon. Oh yeah, take for everything and sign it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, of, uh, he says no. I'm excited for you. I've got yeah, my copies of sure, Justice League United ready to go. Yeah. My two trades. My two for anybody that may be going. I'm not coming with a stack of single issues. <laughs> I'm just going with two <laughs> trades. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, and a comic We'd shop I've never been to either, either, so I'm excited to check shop. it out. I'll have yeah. fun. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, that is about it. December has begun. Christmas is looming in a terrifying fashion. I hope y'all are ready to go. You can't that being go said, into a store without hearing god-awful music. I can't go anywhere without hearing God awful. I I work with Christmas music. I I drive with Christmas music. I live with. I don't no. have a say because no, no, no. my wife plays it all the time, and then work radio has it on all the freaking time. The simply only piece I get is the hour on a bus I can listen to Spotify. <laughs> simply unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. What can you do? Go on strike. 
I was trying to think of a pun, but I can't think of any Christmas songs right now, ironically as that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so I was trying, I was, before I was trying to segue into our honorable mentions, I guess it still works, because our first honorable mention, Josh, if you will uh, tell us about what they are. Um, yeah, the Wildstorm anniversary issue, which, I mean, honestly wasn't... It was, um, well, I'm completely blanking on which ones it was now, but, uh, what the, what the numbers were, but, uh, it, this was basically just reprints if I'm not mistaken. And then they had the, uh, Christmas special grifter got ran over by a reindeer, which I haven't had a chance to peek at yet. Uh, but I can't wait to, cause I'm sure it's worth a good chuckle. And that is it. Everything else made our list this week. Very on. I haven't read Wildstorm Anniversary yet either, but I was reading an article that that there's potentially a new, at least one new story about um, Stormwatch. Half of it is new stories. Half of it is reprints from the Wildstorm 25th 25th anniversary um, special collection they put out five years ago. So it's the first six stories, I think. And you can all, if, if you go and look, they're all there. Like the, um, the Ellis Hitch um, authority story is from that collection. The, um, the Wildcats 3.0 story is also from that collection. Like they're all just reprints. The first half, the second half, I think, is the stories. Oh, okay, right on. I, I did get a peek at the, the new Stormwatch team. And it looks very interesting. At least Good. to me. Yeah, I won't spoil it. You, I, I am curious if you do get the chance to read that story, Josh. What your reaction will be on one of the, one of the team members specifically. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So with that, we do not have any quick bites today, this week. Uh, everything is pretty hefty. It's mm-hmm. annuals week because we have another five-week month. It's like the third one this year, I think. It's it's a lot, <laughs> but uh, it's still it's still good. So we're just gonna jump right into our spotlights uh, and take a look at some new number ones and some one shots. And our first one will be given to us by Josh and this one has been a long time coming. I know we've been waiting for it for a long time since it was announced and even longer before we even knew it exists because we just wanted this character back. It's Blue Beetle Graduation Day number one. Yeah, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I've uh, Even before they announced it, I wanted a Blue Beetle book. <laughs> yeah. Um, Written by Yoshiri Yeo, uh, with art inside and out by Adrian Gutierrez and Will Quintana, with colors lettered by Lucas Gattoni. Um, there's starting out, there's loads of people at a football stadium, including Jaime's family. He's not at his own graduation ceremony yet, which is why everybody's at the stadium, and his mom is freaking out about him not answering his phone and not being there while his dad tries to reassure her that uh, he certainly won't miss his own graduation. So he gets there, Jaime, 
he gets there right after the commencement speech is given, but only for a second because he gets a vision of a member of the Reach, Hooray, and his suit transforms and takes off into outer space. He then gets hit with another vision, and Kajida, the scarab that makes him the Blue Beetle, is relaying a signal but doing it in reach, so Jamie or so excuse me, Jaime can't reach him um, or understand him, excuse me, and he's pretty pissed off about that too. Flying back home to face his mom, he walks into the house and is greeted with a surprise party with friends, family and Superman, who wants to have a talk with him. Turns out the Justice League intercepted the message from the Reach as well, and have benched Jaime because Batman finds out that there is a massive invasion force headed their way, and they are not ready. On top of that, his parents are going to send him to work for his aunts at their diner. That is until Paco pulls up a live stream video from El Salvador that shows a female black and gold beetle and they look badass. Oh, yeah. I really, really like the uh, Jaime Reyes as a character. I've never hid that. And I love that this feels like we're moving away from the oh no aspect of him. And uh, assuming graduation day has uh, has uh, two meanings in, in, in this miniseries. Uh, kind of graduating towards a more superhero attitude, more mature attitude, I guess I'm saying. You're going to grow up a little bit. Um, it's obvious that they brought back the Reach to make more people familiar with it. Hell, honestly, we know the whole comic book is that, but I don't care. It was a super fun read. It was done well, and the art was really good. There's a, there's a few places where I felt like it was a little off, but, I mean, it was good. And seriously, that new Beetle looks awesome. Uh, give me the next five now, please. And thank you. Next five Beetles? The, the, the next, next five, five books. <laughs> um, <laughs> the pile the Beatles on too. Let's let's mess some reach up. Uh, I gave this an eight point seven five out of ten, man. All right. Hey, it's who, Brandon? What you? Uh, I did not get a chance to check this one out, so uh, I will I will listen to your commentary. Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good first issue. I also have really missed. Hi, Reyes. I don't think as much as you have, Josh, but I have because I, I am a sucker for a teen hero. I think uh, despite the fact that they they are teenagers, they have a lot of depth <laughs> and can be very relatable compared to your modern adult superhero. He's so Jaime I, Reyes is the only superhero, like a younger superhero that is on par with Tim Drake for me. I, I, oh, yeah. I love Jaime Reyes just as much as I love Tim Drake. Right on. Uh, well, hell, we're, I'm just happy we have this book, and it's about damn time considering there's a movie coming out next year. You know, you need to get some kind of representation going in the uh, in the industry because Agreed. it's just weird if you don't. Um, I I found the art was pretty good throughout. I can agree there were a couple of panels that were a little off, but I I wasn't against it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it at the time. Uh, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I, I also agree. Give me the next five. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> I think I would have gobbled this up in one sit down if it was a trade. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. Okay, so we are going from Blue Beetle to Nubia. I have no connection between the two. I have no idea how to transition that. We're just going straight to Nubia in the Justice League. From uh, aliens is... to gods. Close that, works. <laughs> that works. All right. I, I probably could have even said something about the Justice League. I don't know. It's been a long day. <laughs> uh, so this is the first of our one-shots. Uh, well, special issue, first of two. Uh, simply put, Nubia is has gone to Man's World, specifically to the Hall of Justice, to meet with Diana uh, and have some kind of discussion, but we are not being told what. Uh, she instead runs into Oliver and Dinah, Green Arrow and Black Canary, and they ask her to help on a little mission in Gotham City while Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are away, which you can read about in the latest issue of Wonder Woman where they were on the Justice League satellite. Uh, so they go to Gotham to track down Firefly, who is committing arson again, because, you know, that's his shtick. And Nubia, um, with the help of Green Arrow and Black Canary, show off her amazing superhero fighting prowess and take down Firefly in amazing fashion. Uh, and then they all head back to the Hall of Justice to uh, basically talk up Nubia to Hawkgirl. Uh, and Black Adam is across the room, interrupts and talks to or asks to talk to Nubia in private, royalty to royalty. But they are interrupted by Martian Manhunter, uh, who says that there is an attack in Metropolis and they're requesting support. So Black Adam, Jean, and Nubia all go to Metropolis to take on none other than Parasite. And as just in uh, just like in Gotham, the trio work together. Uh, to take down Parasite with Nubia once again, showing off her amazing uh, fighting prowess and almost single-handedly taking down Parasite. Uh, and then the three uh, once again head back to the Hall of Justice <clears throat> and talk up Nubia's achievements. Meanwhile, Aquaman and Hawkgirl enter the room, and Aquaman is happy that he did not miss Nubia because he's been hearing about her all day and he did not want to miss meeting her. Well, he does run his mouth a little bit about royalty, uh, they are interrupted yet again by Black Canary and Green Arrow, who are ready to start a party, and then the trio arrive. Back from the uh, the watchtower, they have the Justice League satellite. Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman join the pseudo-party, and Nubia and Diana have their brief conversation. While there is numerous questions about Nubia is willing to join the Justice League, which she is kind of unsure about. Uh, however, there is yet another, oh, excuse me, uh, there is another emergency to attend to, so now the Justice League at full force head out together to save the day. And as near the end of that, I realized, again, I forgot the damn credits. <laughs> You'd think I would have had it by now. Uh, so this one no, was written by point, Michael. at this point, dude, I would, yeah. I would, I would wonder if there wasn't a book that you forgot the credits on. There's always just one, too. Yeah, okay. it's always just one. It's always, it's always <laughs> just week. one. I don't know why. <laughs> Usually the first one. And then I, I psych myself out. Okay, do the fucking credits. Okay, so this, this story was written by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan with art from Emma K. Nohelpen, colors from Tamara Bonvillain, letters from Pat Brousseau, and a wonderful cover from Travis Moore and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez 
with a backup story written by Stephanie Phillips, with pencils from Aletha Martinez, inks from Mark Morales, colors from Alex Guimaraes, and letters from Becca Carey. And in said backup story, Eo is at her hotel room, or not Eo, Nubia is at her hotel room talking to Eo, uh, where she then, uh, what was she doing there? Uh, just talking. Yeah. Ugh, stumbling over my words. Uh, the next day she decides to go visit a Creatures from the Deep exhibit at, I believe, the local museum or water festival. Uh, and where she meets numerous people, including some children, who ask one too many questions, but she's not bothered by that. Uh, meanwhile, a gigantic octopus breaks free, bigger than your average giant octopus, and starts attacking the fair. Uh, Nubia, once again, shows off her incredible fighting prowess and saves the day, but realizes the octopus is nothing to be feared and is actually just scared and alone and wants to go back home. So she does the right thing, calms it down, and helps it get back to the water, saving the day and the children in question. Uh, meanwhile, she gets back to her hotel room where Eo has surprised her by appearing there, and together they spend the night and try to figure out what Nubia will do next as she ponders whether or not she will stay in Man's World. <clears throat> so I do hope we get more Nubia after this, with the promise of her spending more time in Man's World. It may just happen. Uh, as for the issue throughout, I thought the art was a lot of fun. Uh, this was really good. The story was a lot of fun, uh, but ultimately kind of just there for the sake of being there. It didn't feel like it had much of a purpose, um, apart from just showing Nubia questioning whether or not she wants to be there or not, which felt weird. I didn't hate I it, though. The impression, I, uh, I got the impression that she, like, at, at the very end, she kind of... Gave, gave away that she was going to be joining. Yeah. At least... My, my I don't know about joining so the Justice League, yeah. I don't know, we'll see if we ever get another Justice League title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting going forward. I just hope we get more of this character. Me too. She's great. I like her. Uh, I gave this an 8.25 out of 10. Right on, man. I'm glad you liked it. Brandon, did you get a chance to check out Nubia? Yeah, no, this was a pretty solid one. Both stories, I think, were uh, were fun. Um, and uh, I'm, I am interested to see if, if Nubia will have more of a future with the Justice League. So um, I gave the whole thing probably around a 7.5. Um, so solid stuff here. Nothing outstanding, but still pretty good. Yeah, um, I wanted to get into it. I really did. I couldn't. It was, it was odd the way that everyone was talking about it, talking like a like a teenager from ten years ago. Um, it, it was kind of weird for me to see Nubia, Green Arrow, and Black Canary teaming up in Gotham to to to, to, to take down Firefly a villain that the Batgirls just took down a little bit ago in, like, three panels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whoop and Parasite, Metropolis, okay. But Firefly, that that, that was that was just weird. Um, I think the art is good. Uh, Top-notch stuff here. But um, I, the, the way that 
it was just an unfun way to to say that she was going to end up being a part of the league, or at least that's what I feel like they're hinting toward. Um, the second, yeah. the the second one, uh, the second part there, I thought it was an okay read. Um, definitely not necessary, but uh, just kind of there, nice to look at. I gave the I gave the whole book a seven out of ten. Fair enough. I wanted to like it more. Yeah. It's definitely a weird one. I I really enjoyed the fights, but it did feel kind of weird. <clears throat> and ultimately, maybe, potentially pointless. All that is one appearance of Superman. And now we're going to get another big appearance of Superman. Almost like he's returning to another review. I mean that's this this is the third time he's shown up. Yeah. He's been today. in all the books so far. So far. In fact, I hope it's not the last. We'll see. Spoilers. It might be. It's Superman Kal-El returns, if that was not obvious enough, the special one-shot issue, the second of our special one-shot issues, and I will let Brandon tell us all about that one. Sure. Um, yeah, this is the Superman Kal-El Returns special number one. It's a collection of four stories that mark Superman's return and reunion with the important people in his life. First story brought to us by Mark Wade with art from Clayton Henry and Marcelo Maiolo with letters from Dave Sharp. Uh, in this story, Superman and Batman team up to fight Mr. Nobody uh, from the Doom Patrol, who you probably are familiar with. The second story from Cynic Ray, Steen Haspiel, Trish Mulvihill, and Dave Sharp. Uh, Superman and Jimmy Olsen reunite, and Jimmy tries to find the perfect photo to capture Superman's return. The third story from Marv Wolfman, Jack Herbert, Alex Guimaraes, and also Dave Sharp on Letters Again, has John working to take down Lex Luthor, um, and he gets some advice from his dad about how to do it. Though his plan doesn't succeed, it teaches John an important lesson. The final story is from Alex Segura with uh, art from Fico Osio, colors from Lee Lowridge, letters from Dave Sharp. Superman has his reunion with the Justice League and gives Naomi a lesson on the League's history before he's promptly whisked away to the events of Justice League number 75. Each story is fun and self-contained, um, but some I think are a little stronger than others. I think the ones that I really enjoyed were the Justice League story and the first story from Mark Wade, whereas the other two were okay, but not really remarkable. Um, but as a story that marks Kal-El's return, it's pretty solid, though not really essential. So I would give this one a 7.75 out of 10. Fair enough. Right on. And what about you, Rob? Oh, you all right. Well, then. I guess I will then. Um, first part, I thought it was pretty cool having Mr. Nobody show up. Always a, always a fun villain. Uh, probably because I dig the Doom Patrol so much. But, uh, I really felt it was unimpressive. The art was really nice to look at, but I felt like the story had no substance to it. Uh, the second part, Jimmy Olsen's friend. It was, it was... It was something. It was okay, I guess. Uh, unimpressive. I am definitely not a fan of the style that Dean Haspiel used here. Uh, a lot of the places looked really, really, like like drawn for little kids. 
uh, the line work on it anyway. But really, it's it's just a thing. It's it's just a story. Third part I thought was good, man. The art, the voices, a tiny relation to the main story. I could definitely get behind that one. And uh, the 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 last part, I I I guess it was to reintroduce Naomi, who's been missing for like forever. But who knows? It could have just been one week <laughs> uh really it's it's really good art but another unimportant thing to read i'll i feel like i'm honestly gonna forget about kal-el returns in about a week from now which is sad because i was pretty sure i was gonna like this one um four stories a bit of really good art some decent some just plain bad and stories that really didn't do anything I feel like it shouldn't have been a book. Um, the great art in the last two stories and the good stuff in the in the good stuff in the first part uh, bumps it up a little bit, but uh, honestly, not too much. Seven out of ten. Well then, um, I found the Batman story was really fun, and I do love seeing the friendship of Clark and Bruce. I thought that was that was a nice little touch near the end, just having breakfast. Now, the Jimmy story, I think, holds promise for the future of more Jimmy and Superman team-up stories, which tend to be a lot of fun. Uh, this one, not so much. It was kind of dull, but I do hope for more in the future and make them fun and crazy like we had in the past. You know, that time Jimmy became a giant sea monster. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> uh, Lois and John was great, but ultimately just a tease for what's to come in 1050 I think that's the vibe I got so it was more of like a setup story uh actually comics 1050 my, uh, by the way uh and the Justice League story was really just there but it was nice to see the heroes being friends I, I, I didn't hate that story I didn't love it it was just there um so I tallied up all my scores divided it by four and got an 8.5 out of 10 I think that might be solid for the issue. Uh, that's my score. 8.5 out of 10 sounds pretty fucking solid, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that uh, ended with a bit of a Justice League story, but we're going to get to another brand of justice, and that's a society, if you will. The Justice Society of America, number one, is here, finally. We've had it teased for goddamn years, I think, since doomsday clock and finally the jsa have returned and they are brought to us by none other than mr jeff johns who was on writing duties uh with art from mikhail yanin uh colors from jordi belair letters from rob lee with guest art throughout the issue from jerry ordway scott collins steve lieber and brandon peterson and guest colors from john calise jordan boyd and brandon peterson uh, so we open up on uh, Helena Wayne as the Huntress 26 years from now, taking on some thugs and trying to get some answers out of some people uh, who are just not giving it to her. So she asks her teammate on the JSA to help her out, and that is none other than Solomon Grundy. What? Grundy, right. he says with a JSA. Uh, so it must be Monday since he's there. Uh, but they get the answers they need thanks to Grundy. The pair head off, and Helena goes to the top of the uh, GBS radio tower 
uh, I believe that's Gotham Broadcast Services, uh, where she runs into uh, Ruby, the daughter of the Red Lantern from the Golden Age, if you will. Uh, very similar to Jade of Alan Scott's origin, the Green Lantern of the Golden Age. So you see where they're getting at here. And how uh, Dr. Fate has unfortunately been killed. Uh, Khalid Nasur, of all people. Uh, so there is potentially some stuff going on that they have to figure out. They go back to the Justice Society headquarters where Karen Page, or Karen... No, not Karen Page. Sorry, I was reading Daredevil. Karen Starr. <laughs> um, uh, Power Girl herself is very upset that the JSA is who it is right now and is very upset that Dr. Fate is gone and the uh, Huntress and Power Girl are the only ones left to really pick up the pieces. Yeah, when because is the Power rest Girl the not team, upset? Yeah, realistically, yeah. <laughs> I think she's got a lot of right reasons to be, but we'll see. Uh, at least in this case, I think she's justified because the rest of the JSA is Jim Craddock, the Gentleman Ghost. We already mentioned Solomon Grundy. The Harlequin Son. Uh, Icicle, as Cameron McKent, the child of the first Icicle. Kyle Knight, the Mist, and as I said before, Ruby Sokov, the daughter of Vladimir Sokov, the Red Lantern, amongst Power Girl and Huntress. So it's a team of villains that were picked at the choice of Helena Wayne herself. Uh, I think the big question here is, was the Justice Society born on a Monday? Uh, at, at the very least a Tuesday, because that's when the book came out. <laughs> Close well, he, was, he, was, he was born on a Monday, married on a Tuesday? I don't remember the rest of the rhyme. <laughs> There's seven days the worth, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, this is all Helena's choice uh, through so many factors in her life that believe in uh, helping villains overcome the past, namely her mother, for one, being Catwoman. Uh, so we then see a brief intermission of the JSA in the past, interacting with each of these villains or their origins therein. Uh, back at Wayne Manor, Selena and Helena have a bit of a discussion about what's going on and how Selena is none too happy about this either. Uh, so Helena storms off into the Batcave. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Khalid Nasur's body has been found mummified in a uh, sarcophagus and has been there for apparently many, many years. Nobody knows why, nobody knows what's going on, and Karen, once again, is a little bit pissed off that the villains aren't taking it seriously enough, just as she gets hit with some kryptonite radiation poisoning, and then shot in the back by our mysterious red-headed assailant that we saw in the Justice Society special, the new Golden Age, rather, special a few weeks ago. Uh... Huntress is ready to attack, but then this man shows off his time-bending abilities and one by one takes down each of the villainous members of the JSA, leaving only the Huntress left where she shoots a crossbow bolt at him, but he's got time powers, so it does nothing. She begins to age rapidly, but then Selina Kyle, dressed as Catwoman, comes crashing through a window, uh, throws her the... 
snow globe that has her grandfather and the Flashpoint world trapped inside it, bent by hypertime, and it instantly flashes her into the past uh, to the first days of the Justice Society of America in 1940, where she is met by none other than uh, Johnny? Is his name? Yeah. John, Johnny Thunder? Yeah. Um... Yes, I think that's who that's supposed to be. Yeah, Johnny Thunder and the Genie. Uh, So that got interesting fast for me. Uh, I I had a couple of feelings about this while reading it, and there was discussion online about the same feelings I had, and that's which Earth this takes place on, because I do get the vibe. It's not Earth Zero, as weird as that sounds. I can't even pinpoint what it is that's making me feel that way. It just really does have an alternate earth vibe and if that's true i'm not sure how i feel about that because <laughs> uh, that's just it's going to be weird i dig yeah. the issue though the art throughout i thought was great the story kept me hooked um it has kind of given me another uh premonition for a future story that i think may happen with all this hyper time talk going around in the flash and the just society and and uh, flashpoint beyond it's getting me hopeful but i think or is this may be me getting hopeful i mean to say but i think we will be looking at an incontinuity legends of tomorrow team or comic within the next year and if that's true you heard it here first I, as far as I know, I'm the first and only one to say this. I may only ever be the only one to say this, but I think we're getting to Legends of Tomorrow at some point. And I, I'm just pulling this out of my ass. It might I have be a, nothing to back it might it up. be a good <laughs> book to read. It may be. If you have, like, don't tie it to the TV show. Just have a team um, that is built as a Legends of Tomorrow, but of in-universe comic characters. They did it with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I enjoyed the hell out of that book. I don't know how the rest of the world did. It didn't last long, so maybe not as much as I thought, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll see. It just There's been a lot of time travel talk, and like that thing with Mission Terrific in the last issue of The Flash, uh, just wanting to run experiments on hypertime, and that was it. There's got to be more coming, so we'll see. Rip Hunter is nobody's favorite person right now. And neither are the rest of the Time Masters. And who better to take uh, over? Booster sure. Gold, nobody wants to use Booster Gold besides Dan Jurgens. So <laughs> he's not going to do it. Somebody else has to pick up the reins. Who else but the Legends of Tomorrow? Or maybe the Justice Society will be the Legends of Tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe they'll be led by Helena Wing. Only time will tell. Whoa. You heard it here first, folks. Take no stock in what I just said, though just in case (laughs) do not quote me if i'm wrong this time next year we will know uh right uh yeah so earth route was great i do feel it may be on another earth um i i don't know how i feel about i feel like that'd be a bit of a cop out if it was not on earth zero but we'll see how that goes I think Helena's a great character. What they did with the JSA was fantastic. I'm doubling down that that is some version of Perdegaton killing everybody. I loved it. I, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I'm a sucker for a good JSA book. And Jeff Johns, while he's the only one to really do it in the past 
20 years, I can say he does it best because I have nothing else to back that up against. <laughs> uh-huh. Fair enough. Um, well, that that was a rather interesting lineup for the JSA for like all but a second. <laughs> um, I, uh, as far as the book goes, man, I really enjoyed the art. I was honestly expecting a larger issue for this. I was thinking this was going to be a 40 issue or 40, 40 page issue. Um, I wanted, I wanted something to really pull me into it. And this felt a little muddled, which is, I think where I, where you, you might be getting the possible alternate earth feeling. Um, but I guess it's just kind of a throw yourself into it and see what happens kind of thing. Yeah. And an okay start for an issue that had a whole mini series and two setup issues to set up the setup issue that didn't seem to set up much. So that was fun. Um, I'll approach it neutrally as of right now, but I do worry that it's going to fall flat. I, I hope that I'm wrong. Uh, I gave this issue a 7.5. Fair enough. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, this was, I thought this was a really fun first issue. Um, I mean, I, I do very much like seeing the JSA, you know, kind of back in prominence. And this story kind of has like a fun days of future past vibe where it's, you know, the future version of the JSA trying to come back to the past and make sure that the dark future doesn't come to pass. And that's always fun. Um, so that was, was cool to see and lots of uh, fun Easter eggs to, to JSA continuity and everything. Um, Kyle Knight was certainly an unexpected character to see. Um, I'm yeah. guessing this mm-hmm. is probably part of the Jets plan to try and bring in more of a Starman mythos because I know he and James Robinson are friends. Um, but yeah, no, aside from that, I, I had a, a really fun time. Um, and uh, I gave this one a 9 out of 10. Oh, yeah. That says a lot from a JSA fan. As big as Brandon is. I'm oh, sorry, what did you say? You cut out for a second. Yeah. I said that is, that is, so that's quite the score for someone that's as big a JSA fan as Brandon is. Yeah, no, it's it's just really great to, to see them back, and uh, I'm hoping... You know, I don't know how long this series is going to last, but I'm hoping it's a, it's a good long run. Right on. Uh, I I hope it is too. I hope it's a long, good run. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, as long as one of his runs from the 2000s, I'd be all for that. Uh, right, so that is the end of our spotlight. We're shutting off the bat signal for now, and with that, we're going to take a little commercial break. Stay tuned. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with Not a Robot. Hope that was fine, good, fun, enjoyable, entertaining. Fantastic. Any other <laughs> word? Great family fun. Enthusiastic two thumbs up. Ooh, a little bit of a Siskel Niebert there. Saturday morning special? Is that too much? Yeah. Thursday night delights. <laughs> Even better. 
So we are now getting into our full dive reviews. Uh, we're getting into the full ones now, some bigger ones. These are all annuals. They're all full, big size issues, and they are massive. Oh, goodness. Okay, so our first one is the Batgirls Annual 2022. Uh, no number, thankfully. They listened to us and stopped doing that. And uh, that is going to be brought to us by Josh. Indeed, it will. Uh, written by Becky Coleman and Michael W. Conrad. With Robbie Rodriguez, art and colors by uh, Rico Renzi, both inside and on the cover. With Dave Sharp on the cover. Uh, oh, what a sick cover, man. That whole ass cover is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we start out in what is going to eventually be Alicia's pub bar and cafe. Next, we're in Modern Gotham Museum where Cass is admiring the art, sketching um, what she sees. And then the captions talk about her learning to like Halloween and getting scared on purpose, which is hard, hard for someone who was raised to never feel fear. And I get that. It's something I actually never consider. Um, over to Gotham Hill Park where Steph and Kyle are making Brandon's uh, Brandon crawl out of his skin and are talking about mm. how much they love that they are taking things slow. <laughs> you like that, don't you, Brandon? Steph and Kyle being all hooked up. Well, they're they're not. I mean, they're yeah, they're 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 going slow. So that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> Uh, later at a cafe, Babs tells the Batgirls that the clock tower is finished and that she is moving back into it. That night, the Batgirls decide that their time is best spent investigating a suspicious robbery not reported by the police over in Kyle's neck of the woods. Turns out it was actually a double homicide. Weird, right? Uh, Cass touches the murder scene and then gets very insistent that they leave immediately. Steph stops to save a cat, and an old woman gives her a coin as a good luck charm. Uh, what? <laughs> um, turns out that when Cass was touching the floor, she was actually retrieving the tip of a broken sword that belongs to the League of Assassins, and that's no good. So, because of that, they decide that they are then going to spend the night watching movies and playing video games. Then Steph breaks out her new coin to see if they'll pretend to be each other tomorrow or if both will pretend to be Babs. And the damn thing lands on its edge. I'm sure this coin is going to be a good thing. I mean, obviously, right? Yep, because they wake up Freaky Friday style and swap bodies. Babs is there and she'll say she run tests on the coin, but otherwise seems like it's no big deal, which is good. They go out as the Batgirls and meet with the cop that they work with, and he shows them a picture of the kid that survived the murders mentioned earlier. On their way back home, they stop some crime and get attacked. Lady Shiva, Cass's mom, shows up and tells Cass to get in, though Cass isn't Cass, so that's going to suck. Uh, Cass, <laughs> Cass and Steph gets drugged by the gang that they just busted up by drinking something, which is very atypical of Cass. Steph and Cass is talking with Shiva, then back to Cass and Steph, in the backseat of a car being driven by Steph's dad, Food Master. Rod called that one a few weeks ago. A few, 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 
maybe two two months ago, I think. Um, so not a bad issue. A little bit out there, not bad at all, though. Um, let me see that. Uh, let me say that Rodriguez and Lindsay are just fucking phenomenal in this issue. A decent story from this pair, which you rarely ever hear me say. And uh, some really stellar art, even with some of the weird out-of-character stuff that the Batgirls did um, playing video games after discovering the League of Assassins. I had fun with this one. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. What about you? No, this one was also pretty fun. I also gave this one an 8 out of 10. I'm not super interested to see Steph go against her dad again um, I feel like we're kind of past that but who knows they might have an interesting spin on it so we'll uh, we'll see wasn't Clue Master supposed to be dead I yep. think he was and then I think Bendis brought him back in Young Justice I had to remind myself of that even okay. though that, that doesn't make any sense because no. he got his throat slit in Batman Eternal and you don't anyway uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty final. Oh, man. Well, uh, uh, unless know. you're unless you're the Joker and Catwoman. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> that's as bad as Ducktales. But in any case, oh man, yeah. Uh, I I find it weird that an annual and I know this this has been done before, but that an annual is part one of a story or at least part of a story in an ongoing. Uh, it doesn't happen often. I'm not against it. I just found it weird. I wasn't expecting it. Because um, at least the last dozen or so annuals we've had have been one-off stories. This issue though might be my favorite one of Batgirls yet. It was a lot of fun Definitely. it was really interesting it was really cool um, I I for one as much as I don't like the idea of Clue Master just magically coming back to life I do like the idea of having Steph go up against Clue Master one more time it feels like there's some unresolved business there we'll see how that goes adding on to the fact that Lady Shiva is inexplicably back uh, to talk to Cass again there's some parental nonsense going on. Very interesting. Add on with the subtext of Babs being a pseudo-mother to Cass and Steph and worrying about them and getting advice from her pseudo-dad, Bruce. There's a lot of parental stuff going on. It's very interesting. I loved it. Uh, 8.75 out of 10. It was a solid see, it issue. It would be a good place, um, though I don't see it happening because of the style of the stories that they tell with the Batgirls. But... Man, having Cass and Steph involved in a fight against the League of Assassins, like in, a, in like in a serious tone book, dude, that would be awesome. I would love to see. They that. already did that though. It was in Tynan's Detective Comics where they went against the League of Shadows, led by Lady Shiva. Yeah. But now this is Shiva going up against the League of Assassins. It's a different league, bro. It's different. <laughs> Basically the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, there's a lot of detective comics stuff from that era I think is getting reworked weirdly uh, hopefully not Night of the Monster Men though leave that classic alone 
I am the only one who will ever say that. So yeah, what is a Batgirl's best friend? Um, if you know. An Oracle. Well, assuming Oracle is a Batgirl, too. It's a Robin. A Robin. Batgirl's best friend is a Robin. They work together so well, and that is where we're going next. We're going to visit the first Robin ever made in Nightwing with his own annual once again in 2022 and Brandon will tell us all about that. Sure. This is the Nightwing 2022 annual. Uh, also features uh, kind of an anthology of stories uh, really with a, with a main story to start. The first one from Tom Taylor, written by Tom Taylor, with art from Eduardo Pansica and inks from Julio Ferrer, with colors from Adriana Lucas and letters from Wes Abbott, details the origin of Heartless. Uh, specifically, he is a young boy that we've met earlier um, in this run named Shelton Lyle, the rich son of the Lyle family, um, who has uh, basically their own Alfred come to town by the name of uh, Gerald Chamberlain, though as we later find out, he's impersonating the real Gerald Chamberlain, and basically the origin details the relationship between um, Lyle and Gerald, and how Gerald kind of helped facilitate Lyle's violent tendencies that he expressed as a child, how Lyle was um, damaged in an accident early on and needed a procedure to maintain his hearts and so on and so on and now with the heart of Blockbuster uh, we'll be going up against Nightwing to rule all of Bloodhaven. The second story is a rather fun uh, romp that may or may not be real um, featuring Haley, also known as Bitewing who helps uh, Nightwing and Batgirl take down some baddies in a uh, abandoned warehouse um, and whether or not this is real or just uh, Haley's dream as uh, she misses Dick is not specified, but I like to think that uh, she, she had a nice little dream based on what uh, Dick said at the end. That was brought to us by Jay Kristoff with art also from Eduardo Pensica, inks from Julio Ferreira, and colors from Adriano Lucas with letters from Wes Abbott. Uh, the final story is a fun little training lesson between Dick and John, um, as we have seen in the previous crossover uh, between the Son of Kal-El title and the Nightwing title, um, as well as other moments in the Nightwing and Superman Son of Kal-El books, respectively. They've been continuing their mentor-mentee relationship, and this is just continuing that as um, Nightwing gives some really important lessons to John in this that reflect his own uh, lessons with Bruce back in his uh, Robin days, which I thought was really nice. Um, and this one was brought to us by C.S. Pakat, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, with art from Inaki Miranda, colors also from Adriana Lucas, and letters from Wes Abbott. Um, the main story I enjoyed, uh, it's nice to kind of get a, an official origin for Heartless, Though, you know, it's, it's sort of taking a break from the main story, so um, it's not really progressing anything majorly. It's just sort of filling in the gaps of who Heartless is and, and what his backstory is. Uh, and the two backup stories, while fun, don't necessarily add anything, um, so it's not necessarily essential reading, but it is fun if you want to read more about some of the people involved in Dick's life. Um, so I gave this whole issue an 8 out of 10, 
really solid read, but certainly not essential, um, and you would not be punished for skipping this issue if you felt like you had to. Yeah, no. Um, I think it's pretty cool that uh, and now now the USB ports in his arms that we saw a while back, <laughs> they, they make a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what didn't make sense to me at first was uh, I thought it was a fun story. But then I'm like Poison Ivy and Catwoman showing up and being villains with Mr. Freeze. I was like, Did, this doesn't make any damn sense at all. Until I realized that it was Haley having a dream. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, so I had to go back and reread the damn story because I wanted to do it without a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that the art was great. Um, the second part, the second, the the back of the uh, the book there, man. I thought that really fantastic. I mean, so good. Chef's kiss. Uh, the montages with Batman training Dick were they were they weren't just well done, but they were well placed on the page, and um, and the fucking uh, art on the page is just on point. The voices were perfect, and uh, I loved it. I gave the whole thing an eight out of ten, or excuse me, an eight point seven five out of ten. As you know, what uh, matter of fact, I'm bumping it up here. Well, shit, that was fast. <laughs> um, yeah, I personally love that reveal. Uh, how it's going to go from here, I think, will be very interesting. Uh, I did read somewhere someone referring to Heartless, and say it as you will uh, but is essentially Nightwing's Joker which I think he's had a few times but it's pretty damn close <laughs> um, yeah yeah just that that twist that it was just you never thought about it in that that first issue from Taylor I think was number 78 with that opening sequence that you think is just an opening sequence for Dick and Babs as children and uh, him having a relationship with Alfred, but no, it's literally heartless, and that honestly just blew my mind because it was so well hidden. Who would have guessed? Uh, I thought Haley's story was fantastic, just adorable. She really is the bestest doggo. Uh, the story with John was the weakest for me. Still kind of cool. Uh, I could have done without it though. That one very skippable. Uh, I think Haley's story is easily the best, though. I love that one. I, I was feeling the same thing at the beginning. Like, why are these three villains here? Why are they being villains? They're not villains, except for Freeze. What are they doing? This makes no sense. That's not Selena's costume. Ivy's not green right now. What's going on? And then, okay, it makes total sense now. I like it. Uh, so I tallied up my scores there and got an average of 8.5 out of 10, which, again, I think is pretty solid. Indeed it is. All right. And that brings us to our final issue of the week. Uh, we'll be keeping up with the bat motif as we talk about Detective Comics in that annual from 2022, this year of our High Father. Uh, written by Rom V, with art from Christopher Mitten, Raphael Albuquerque, and Hayden Sherman, with colors from Lee Lofridge, letters from Darren Bennett, and a gorgeous cover from Evan Cagle. 
Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty hefty one. We open on Gale the Wolfman um, going to a chapel in Gotham. Or sorry, it looks like a chapel, but it's what's left of Arkham Asylum. I keep confusing myself about that uh, to retrieve a device with a glowing rock of some sorts. Uh, as he begins to explain what it is and why it's there and why they need it, we then go back to the Gatholm settlement in 1776, where Tim and Moira Wainwright have been murdered, and their lone boy is being cared uh, cared for by Aldridge Pierce, which I meant to go back and double-check, but I believe was the name Bruce was using in The Return of Bruce Wayne when he was in this era. Do you guys want to back me up on that? I can't. I don't know. But if that's the case, that is pretty neat. I mean, for the callback. Yeah. I do remember hearing about this coming in a, a while back and thinking, uh, it's a perfect time for me to actually read this book, The Return of Bruce Wayne, and understand what the hell might be happening. So here we are. <laughs> um, so it is, uh, as far as I can tell... Uh, happening during that that time, that period of the, the period of time, uh, one member of the Gotham settlement believes that the Wainwrights were killed by a wolf, but not just any wolf, a big, uh, monstrous-looking wolf, uh, looking like a man, i.e., a werewolf. Um, but the uh, the head of the town uh, just brushes it off, then. Um, the priest of the town starts running his mouth about stuff, so the head of the town once again decides he needs to get in the way and tells the man to shut up and fuck off. And he does, despite also basically cursing the town for not being full of God. Uh, later on, we see at the edge of Gatholm, Ayana's home, who is uh, basically a healer of sorts using plants and herbal medicine, but she is, of course, mistaken as a witch. Uh, yet, uh, Pierce is there to help protect her, as he does, because he is a good man. Uh, as she is about to be attacked by a uh, swarm of people um, led by none other than the priest. Uh, he believes she is a witch and wants to end her life. But Pierce, as I said, protects her and uh, shoes them away. He heals her wounds, and she, he does see in her cabin a raider, uh, part of a group of bandit raiders, that raid towns, pillage, kill, steal, and move on to the next one, led by no none raiders. other... Yeah, yeah, the, the, the football team. Um, <laughs> led by none other than a man named Darcy Hunt, with uh, half a pale white face, half a scarred up red face, i.e. two-face. Interestingly enough, also if yeah. it wasn't apparent, uh, Aliana uh, essentially poison ivy. So you see a vibe going here. Uh, so the players are on the field and things start to slowly come together, as it's as it is discovered that Gale was in this time period as well, working for the Orgums once again and with that device with the glowing stone in hand. Uh, Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, as time goes on, everything starts to come together. The people make their ways around. 
as Aldrich Pierce decides he needs to take the boy and get as far away from the Gotham settlement as they can to keep the boy safe. And as he gets on a carriage with a mysterious man aboard, he looks back at the Gotham settlement, wondering if he may have made a mistake. As all the players on the field on the board are getting ready for battle, uh, Aldrich Pierce begins uh, talks to the the owner of the ch- uh, I was gonna say chariot, what are they called carriage, <laughs> um, uh, about whether he's making the right choice. As the man reveals that he has many has had many names through the long years. Uh, as he also does know Aldrich Pierce's name, and the one he's taken right now is Mordecai. I have no clue who the hell this rat actually is, but he's somebody of note. Uh, I imagine we will see in the future, unless one of you guys, after this, uh, have any insight as to who you think it may be. Uh, so he decides, Aldrich Pierce decides, maybe he needs to turn around. Uh, but if they fail, if he fails, the bandits will come for the boy and uh, maybe do worse than they could have done before. So Mordecai hands him a mask and says, you must hide the man that you are. So they turn around and arrive to Aliana's house just in time as she is about to have her throat slit by one of the bandits, and Aldridge Pierce in full Batman getup comes riding through on a fiery carriage and saves Aliana's life, who now is covered in green skin and red hair, despite the fact that she had white skin and blonde hair before. Potentially because of plant life. Uh, as the new... Crazy things, man. Exactly. As the new 1776 <laughs> Batman, he makes quick work of the bandits and then goes and saves Aliana's life and prevents her from making a mistake she would regret by killing the man that was going to kill her. Uh, now he heads off to uh, go save the Goth- uh, Gatholm settlement and finds the uh, Two-Face of 1776 ready to kill the leader of the town, who I suspect is the 1776 Jim Gordon. Saves the day and they get into a big fight, uh, but before we can see the end of that, we jump back into the present day where uh, we see where the players are now, and it seems very similar to how things were in 1776. And Gale uh, describes that the stone that he has in the machine was a uh, uh, precursor, if you will, uh, a device to change the fate of the land, except Batman got in the way and Batman has forever been intertwined in their fate ever since, and now they need to correct that mistake by taking the fight to him. And we will see the continuation of Act 1 in Detective Comics number 1067. Uh, So I thought this was a really deep story here with, if I was right, a great tie-in to Grant Morrison's The Return of Bruce Wayne. And that was really interesting. The art throughout was fantastic. Uh, Aldrich Pierce's Batman costume looked amazing in, in, in the flames and everything going on. The action shots were great. I am very curious what that device is because I have no friggin' idea. I don't know who Mordecai is. I have lots of questions. And for he something that's called Detective Comics, way. it's something you kind of want to have at the end of an issue. You want to have questions because that's the basis of a mystery. 
so this this was fantastic. I, I thought this was a great annual. Uh, brought some extra beef to the story at hand that is going on with Romdi's uh, epic arc. While not giving everything away, definitely gave us some clues as to what the hell might be going on. I gave this an 8.75 out of 10. I feel like bumping into a 9, but I think I'm just going to leave it here for now. Really good issue. What'd you guys think? Um, I went, wow. Um, the whole alt-universe weird parallel stuff, um, it's really hit or miss. You really miss with me. And uh, though I do love me some Grant Morrison, um, Bruce Wayne The Road Home was not one of my favorite storylines. Uh, the concept of it um, but here, I thought it was a total hit. Um, the art, it matched the story perfectly. And I mean, like, like fucking apple pie and ice cream. Thing. And the story is just a really good one. It, uh, it, it's not going to win any awards. And the fact that it, it that I, I believe with Rob saying that now, that that does tie back um, I think that's pretty cool, and overall, really enjoyable. I gave it an eight out of ten. Yeah, no, it was <clears throat> um, a solid one. Definitely didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would, um, and there were some inconsistencies with the uh, the return of Bruce Wayne's story that were kind of hard to ignore. Um, also, a couple of historical inaccuracies because the caption notes that this takes place in 1776 but they talk as though the war is over even though the American Revolution didn't end until 1783 um, so I'm, I mean that's a minor thing but it, it's just a little awkward um, and then the person that, that Bruce is portraying in this version Mordecai Wayne was the one that he was in the second issue of Bruce Wayne The Return Home but that was in 1640 Whereas this is 1776, almost 130 years later, meaning that if anyone had been vaguely familiar with Mordecai Wayne or that name, it would have been almost anachronistic for him to take that. But he only says it to Aldridge um, Pierce, so maybe it doesn't really matter. Even though he shouldn't have any knowledge of who he is or his previous names because at least according to the return of Bruce Wayne he kind of has a memory lapse each time he travels through time but anyway these are, are, are minor things although they do kind of stand out if you're familiar with the story but um, really I just I don't know I, I found it was a little dull at points and I, I couldn't get into it as much as I wanted um, so this one got a 7.25 out of 10 for me even though I was, I was definitely looking forward to it but it was not uh, as, as good as I'd hoped it would be Oh, That's too bad. Yeah. <clears throat> you can't win them all, unfortunately. It's understandable with those historical inaccuracies. That If you know the history, that would draw me at the story, too. That has happened in the past. That was not a pun, but I'll take it. <laughs> I, it probably would have affected my score if I would have realized the inaccuracies but that's why they call him the librarian even when he is sick as hell he still knows all of his shit that's yeah, kind of yeah. 
for a backslip last, but it is what I it mean, is. I mean, even the 1776 thing is like everyone knows that. Like that's when the war started, or well, I guess it was technically 1775. But um, I mean, like the war couldn't be over. The war wouldn't be over for another seven years. But I guess in this alternate timeline, it ended one year after it began. So. Right, so. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that is our books for the week. Uh, now we're going to get to our top three and favorite moments if you had one, which I think we usually do. Uh, so, Brandon, you want to start us off? Um, yeah, no, my top three for this week I had Batgirls at three, Nightwing at two, and uh, Justice Society of America at number one. Um, my favorite moment, um, probably just seeing Grundy say JSA. That was, uh, that was kind of funny. That was really cool. A2, Josh? Uh, all right. So for number three, I placed Detective. Number two went to Nightwing, just barely being outclassed by the Blue Beetle book, which... Uh, I promise it's not just nepotism or favoritism, excuse me, that has uh, at least as far as I know. In any case, that's what is a number one. And um, I, there was a couple of parts, nothing that was super stellar for me that stood out, not, you know, way above everything else, but there were a couple of small parts that I thought were pretty cool. Um, making the statue of White Wing, I thought that was pretty cute. Uh, when Steph and Cass introduced, uh, introduced themselves to Officer Brooks that was working with Babs, um, hi, I'm Batgirl and this is my partner Batgirl and that became recommended by Batgirl. I felt like that summed it up pretty fucking succinctly, like we need different names. <laughs> yeah. And then um, a, a, another part there was just when I giggled at the thought of when Brandon, uh, of when Steph said that being with Kyle is absolute normality. <laughs> Brandon, you, I, everything, I've always, he, you're, you're like, he's just so boring, and it's like they flat out acknowledge that. <laughs> yes, uh, he's he's yeah. definitely the, the most boring character in Gotham Academy. <laughs> Do you think they planned this that Tim and Steph split up, go after new relationships, and both their significant others are just the most boring freaking characters alive? Well, it's mostly because yeah, they're side characters. I mean, it's not like I don't know that it was intentional, but like Kyle is essentially a side character in Gotham Academy, and Bernard was a side character in Bill Willingham's run on Robin. Like, they weren't key characters. They were just kind of background material. So they were never intended to be interesting people. Yeah. I don't know. I hope we get some depth on either of them soon. Otherwise, I need new relationships here, people. These are... I'm with Brandon. These, these guys suck. Yes, they do. Yeah. But, I mean, not enough for me to get too pissed off about it. I do yeah. wish that they were better characters because, I mean, if they're going to be in the stories, then they should be able to serve them. But hopefully there's some development that happens there. And Bernard's way better in the TV show. 
one day I might check it out. <laughs> I'm not entirely sold on season three still. Uh, speaking of three, my top three, starting at three, is Batgirls, annual number 2022. That sounded weird. Uh, really enjoyed it. Number two, I had Detective Comics, annual 2022. Uh, number one, I had Justice Society of America, number one. I went based solely on scores because it was really hard to choose which ones are better than others for me because uh, yep. most of them are all really good. Uh, favorite moments? Uh, I had two. Uh, my, I think my, my absolute favorite was Haley showing up in her costume in her dream to save Dick and Babs. It was a wonderful costume, very adorable moment. Uh, alternatively, I also had Aldridge Pierce showing up in his bad costume. That was really cool. Yeah, that's about it. All right, so that was our favorite moment, and now it's time for your favorite moment. It is the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Cleveland Murray. <laughs> All right, guys, what made your stink list this week, if anything? Honestly, Nubia. Nubia could be on my stink list. That's how much I hated the voices and the way that everybody spoke. But there was another book that was like a monumental let down for me. And uh, Return to Kal-El, it, it read like a pointless anthology book and that really, really kind of pissed me off. Well, uh, so that was my biggest thing. But there, was, was, there was nothing to it. It was good good art that's it mostly that is surprising and Brandon uh, well the lowest one I have is the detective comics annual so that's probably going to be my biggest stinker for this week fair enough as for me I had Nubia it was maybe the least interesting one while still kind of interesting uh, I think my review kind of said that I wasn't completely <coughs> sold on it so it made the stink list. I almost took Pep, though, until I really thought about it. Yeah, what can you do? As I said before, you can't win them all. All right, really and with that, that is our show. Remember, you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcasts. Check us out on Twitter at NotArobotComics and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews, articles, and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. And Brandon, get better.